The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. And welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit, the founder of the Geeks Under the Influence Network, and your host of this reboot show. In Smack My Pitch Up, if you are unfamiliar, what we do is we talk about super unnecessary reboots, remakes, sequels, sidequels, and the like uh, for some of our favorite TV shows and movies. And tonight, the Groots from Beautiful Disasters Podcast is here to help me reboot, remake, or possibly sequelize. One of the most romantic movies of all time, the greatest love story ever told, Unforgiven. No, uh, we are talking about, (laughs) of course, The Princess Bride. Hell yes. Now, I feel like with this movie specifically, I need to do a disclaimer that we're not necessarily suggesting they should be remade. Correct. It's more that just like, what if it was? This is just a fun exercise in, in, in cinema, in Absolutely. How would we do it nowadays, basically? This is some lighthearted bullshit to take away from the fact that, you know, Hollywood is constantly remaking and rebooting things that don't need to be. Absolutely. Now, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 28th, uh, when this releases uh, a little bit later tonight, when you're listening to it, is the Beautiful Disasters B-Movie Night at Strangeways Brewing Company. Yes, indeed. Come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The uh, November theme, of course, because of all the... Uh, the holiday shopping that's happening we're doing shop till you drop god damn right and it's one of my favorite like schlocky sci-fi horror movies from the 80s it's so fun Ooh, get some bloody black friday action going absolutely on. <laughs> nothing like nothing says going to the mall like getting shot with lasers <laughs> but uh tonight we of course are talking about the princess bride now uh the way we normally start this is we talk about a brief plot overview if there's any kind of changes to the original story that we want to kind of put in to modernize or just give give a different take to it and then uh, we from there we go into directors directors is really where we get an idea for the theme uh, the the tone of our versions right. and we have a funny version which isn't necessarily a comedy version it's like a funny take on the film yes in question and uh, then we have our serious one that we think if we were to reboot or remake or sequelize this would be the best bet in our opinion to do this. So, Oh yeah, I'm ready. This is going to be super fun. This is a movie that I hold in very high regard. I think most people of our generation hold this movie to be a like untouchable movie. It's kind of a litmus test for whether or not you have a soul. And I don't even believe in a soul, but you understand what I'm saying, because if you don't like this movie on some level, there's something wrong with you. Like deeply at a, at a fundamental level. Exactly. The keystones of you as a person are broken if yeah, you don't like this movie. Exactly. You know, I mean, I'm willing to bet our, the orange clown that's running this country 
probably doesn't like this movie. He probably hates this movie. And it's just like, come on, man. How do you not enjoy this movie? If I was Andre the Giant, I would have smashed the pie or the rock. You know, that would have been just... Basically. I have better aim than him. Yeah. <laughs> it, the true French je ne sais quoi. There's a something about this movie that you can't even really put your finger on. It's adorable, but it's but it's kind-hearted and it's and it's well told and right. it's well directed and there's fantasy elements to it but it's not over overbound with fantasy elements as well it's right just, exactly there's something so perfect about this movie that that <laughs> we're gonna ruin uh, by <laughs> by rebooting and remaking absolutely it. yeah well i think rob reiner directed it and it's just a perfect fairy tale like 80s adventure yeah and i never actually read the book but you know, i have it, not either I, from what I understand, it follows the book rather closely and very much in in theme and in and in tone. But, um, I mean, the movie is beyond reproach. It's so yes. fucking good. Yeah. It's one of those movies that you need to have in your collection because on, this movie is my sick day movie. If I'm at home and sick and just want to watch something that I love, that, I, that I've seen a million times, Princess Bride is one of those movies. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will mention that the Criterion Collection just re-released it a brand new like 4k scan of the movie in with all the bells and whistles and features that they like to do there's a brand new release out on on all the medias and i'm it's on my christmas list if uh, my wife is listening <laughs> fucking i want it <laughs> additionally as well one of the reasons we thought about doing this movie is that uh very soon i think on the 14th of december there is going to be a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 that's coming out called Once Upon a Deadpool. And the way they're pulling that off without it being just like a, a just a shitty edit of it is that it's Deadpool taping down uh, Fred Savage to a bed in the bedroom from Princess Bride and telling him the story of Deadpool 2 a la Princess Bride style. Uh, <laughs> Are you fucking serious? I'm 100% serious. How did I not hear about this? Yeah, they just released the first trailer for it, and it's literally Fred Savage uh, duct taped to the bed from Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, him telling Deadpool 2 Princess Bride style to Fred Savage. Wow. It's still going to be like 35 minutes long, obviously, because... Yeah, clearly. I mean, well, that's that's why they needed Fred Savage to fill in all that time that was taken out from all the gruesome gore and everything. Right, all the definitely hard R content. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I figured no better time than right before the Deadpool version of Princess Bride comes out. Nice that we cover Princess Bride. Is that actually getting a theatrical release, or is yep. it just like theatrical release? Get the fuck out! I'm going. Yeah, I'm going too. Absolutely. So I'm going to watch Princess Bride before I go see it. And then I'm going to watch Deadpool 2 before I go see it. Aww. And then see how they talk about a mashup. Deadpool 2 and Princess Bride. That's Jesus. not on my list here because apparently they, they actually did it. I'm almost mad that I didn't pick that. <laughs> right? Unaware. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, you can just have uh, Deadpool as the Inigo Montoya character. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kill my father. <laughs> Prepare to... Ooh, chimichangas. So uh, let, let's get into it. Uh, do you have any different take on the plot? you wanted to approach the plot a little bit differently. Well, the movie, of course, you know, as we all know, it is kind of a lighthearted adventure fairy tale. Okay. It's set in kind of like this weird land. That's also kind of based on earth, you know, sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's funny, but there's nothing really like super, like the most sinister part is the freaking like machine that steals your life. That's pretty hardcore. And that was like, fucking awesome as a kid but i mean there's nothing like super super like terrible 
You know, like the, the movie's not hard to watch. It's not going to give you nightmares. No, no. Even as a kid, you know? And uh, so I wanted to take that concept and see if I couldn't figure out like a hard R version that would still keep its overall theme and spirit. Okay. So we're going to hear about that a little later. Okay. <laughs> now with mine, I really wanted to kind of center in on the, I don't know why it's as good as it is. I mean, it's a good movie above board at 100%, but there's that like missing people talk about the human soul and what that entails. This movie has real soul to it. It does. And um, there's something almost unapproachable to it where you're not really sure what it is exactly that makes it so perfect. And I wanted to uh, kind of really lean in on that a little bit more, make it a little bit more quirky. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a quirky movie. Like, it's super quirky. Already. Oh, yeah. But I want to kind of lean in and make it a little bit more abstract, I guess. Um, a little bit more odd in, sure. in some lines. So the, the storyline in general, I, I want to lean a little bit harder on what they already discussed in the first movie, which is Fred Savage, the, the grandson, playing video games, doesn't give a shit about storybooks or anything. He's sick. He wants to play fucking Genesis. Or you get it, you know, a yeah. PlayStation Four in there or something, yeah. and he's just he's trying to, you know, tweet on his phone while his grandpa's trying to tell the stories, and the grandfather just grabs his phone and just puts it like in a drawer, right? You know, and just really plays up the whole that this is this is how we used to have fun is by this thing called reading, you know, and he's the grandfather's almost kind of shitty about it, and it's like you kids today, you know, with your technologies, and just really play that up a bit. Uh, to give it a, kind of a deeper ramp to jump into when you go into the fantasy element of it. Sure, sure. Um, and then just get really weird. So that's that's kind of where I'm approaching. I like it. I like it. So you know, if I was going to go dark, I, I, w- I would I would start it off with kind of like a Brazil angle where you've got like a uh, almost semi like in a trance like w- waking coma sort of like a mental patient kid <laughs> who uh, who starts seeing like illustrated like pictures from the story and it just starts all coming together in his brain whatever it's just sam neil from in the mountains of madness basically yeah. or in the mouth of madness sorry yeah yeah. yeah yeah you know something like that that's really fucked up but yeah you know. hell yeah well if you want to get real dark that would, that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with our uh directors sure best way to start so uh who is your serious director choice quentin tarantino you're serious Fuck yes. You're going full Tarantino. Fuck yes. On The Princess Bride. Yeah, I, t- I told you I was going hard R. He already did a movie with The Bride in it. So this is like, I don't know, spiritual like sequel to that. God maybe? damn right. <laughs> okay. Fucking amazing. All right. Um, I can already tell this is going to be a very interesting episode. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Quentin Tarantino is your, your serious. Yeah, yeah, that's my serious. I'm terrified to hear who you're, uh, <laughs> who you're funny. Oh, my God. So what is it? Quentin Tarantino as the grandfather? Is that? No, no. He's the director. Oh, he's the director. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah, I, I didn't go with like Aronofsky or something, you know? No, Aronofsky, it, even when I was saying the whole like quirky and weird element, that's too, that's, that's too, too much. Yeah, that's yeah. too much. And I wasn't going to go David Lynch, even though I love the man. That would just be unrecognizable. Do you imagine like Princess Bride and at the end they do a scene where like Buttercup has their kid and then the kid gets taken by the townspeople and ripped apart over top of them and stuff. A la mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, Aronofsky, no. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's your, that's your serious. That uh, is my what serious. What is your not so serious? Uh, I went with Edgar Wright. 
that see i feel like that's almost flipped like edgar wright would do a probably pretty good like in the spirit of the original kind of tone to it with a little little quirk of his quirkiness to i kind of wanted to go with a little bit of like the british uh humor mentality to it um make it a m- more of a kind of a zany not quite to monty python level but like going in that direction just goofy a little yeah, bit yeah a little bit goofy that british goofy yeah exactly yeah you know which which is appropriate because you know we did have you know some you know sort of british-esque you know actor performances in the original but sure but this will be a little over the top and you know we'll get it you'll understand when i when i go through uh the cast on both dear god why it makes sense <laughs> oh man all right well uh so on to my choices here yeah man uh, so for my serious i like i said i wanted something to be a little bit quirky and fun and a little bit weird and nobody does kind of oddball quite as well as the french so okay. i went with a french director that you may be familiar with from such uh films as eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and the science of sleep. Michel Gondry. Michel Gondry, yes. He is a very quirky director. I almost oh, went Spike Jones on this, but I figured that Michel Gondry would be a little bit better of a choice for this. Um, he's able to play with uh, right. character profiles a little bit more, I think. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And I really like kind of the thought of him approaching this film and really fleshing out these characters in these quirky, weird ways. Well, he brings a visual style, too, that is unparalleled it's definitely his own absolutely and i feel like in a mildly fantasy element like the princess bride that's gonna be able to shine real hard oh yeah 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 i think he could could really handle that nicely yeah i almost thought when as soon as you said french director i was like oh i wonder if he's gonna say jean-pierre junet no i yeah because i was thinking on the french tip and uh (laughs) french tip and uh but no i i think michel gondry is the better yeah yeah. i think so he's more accessible yeah uh for my not so serious i decided to Imagine, because this film is beyond reproach, as we have said. Yes. I decided to go the total polar opposite end and make it as fucking terrible as humanly possible. Okay. So I went with a director that could make it as terrible as humanly possible. He's known for his video game movie adaptations. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say that. I went with Uwe Boll. <laughs> Are you Uwe Boll? Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll. So uh, you may know him. Uh, if you don't, then count yourself lucky. He did the uh, House of the Dead movie. He did the Blood Rain movies. He did uh, Postal. The, the Postal, In the Name of the King, a uh, a Dungeon Siege tale um, <laughs> that somehow he gets occasionally relatively good actors to be in these movies. But most of the time, they're like actors that kind of fell out the bottom of Hollywood or they're just like way past their prime or... Or they were between two big projects and they just wanted to make a quick like you know, half million dollars. Yeah. Like John Malkovich is in one of his movies. Yeah. 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 Jason Statham. Jason Statham is in the same movie as John Malkovich. Yeah. That's the, in the name of the King movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I want to picture what a Uwe Boll version of princess bride would look like. Now I have and to bad, warn- bad is the answer. Oh, of course. That. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I have to warn you though. I mean, if he hears this podcast, he might want to box you. <laughs> that's true <laughs> although you know what i would take one for the team because imagine the press that this podcast would get if i i insulted uvi to the point where he called me out to germany to box him in a ring i'm like yep there all right go. i mean like, that would be worth the reconstructive you know facial surgery for your nose getting knocked in oh because i have no doubt that he would kick my ass he's a former professional boxer yeah. and he might be in his what, like 60s now or something but you know, he's got a little more experience in the ring than me. And by that, I mean, literally any experience right. in the ring. 
So that's that's our mm. uh, our directors. Nice. So I, I think we start with the the obvious, which is Wesley. Yes. It was played uh, originally by uh, Carrie Elwes. Yes. Fantastic job. That's really, I think, the first time that I knew of him as an actor was from The Princess Bride. That's the movie that made his career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely. I mean, we've seen him in many other things, but I mean, that's that put him on the map. Yeah. Because that movie was so huge, hugely successful. So for Carrie Elway's part, I this was tough because I can't really picture anybody else playing that role besides him. And... uh so this was as a difficult call. I decided to kind of go with a different kind of approach to the character sure. this time because just trying to have somebody fit in those shoes just didn't feel right. Uh, so for me, for the serious one, for the Michel Gondry joint, um, I went with an actor known from the TV series Vikings. He's one of the main characters. It's uh, Alexander Ludwig who plays Bjorn Lothbrook okay. in uh, in Vikings. He's the, the the blonde main Viking dude that's like, a badass as hell. He's got really good features. Um, is he the one that kind of looks like uh, Jax? From, a little bit. From yeah, uh, he, Sons of he Anarchy? He looks a little bit like Jax. Yeah. I remember the first time Charlie I saw... Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam. I, I, the first time I saw a poster for Vikings, I was like, man, what the fuck, man? This guy's... He's the head of a micro, motorcycle gang. Now he's playing the head of a freaking Viking crew. But it's not the same guy. I figure with that character, in a Michel Gondry film, you play it almost like there are two sides to the same coin of the character where... When he goes into pirate mode, he's a fucking beast. When he's fighting, it's it's this like almost Guy Ritchie style visceral, like hard hitting action sequences of him kicking fucking ass. Yeah. And then it's almost like there's a turn where it shuts off and he becomes this like soft, very charismatic, like loving person to Buttercup during Absolutely. the film. And just watching how like there's almost two sides of him because he had to play two sides when he was the Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. And play up the whole I'm a I'm an evil man type character and some of that kind of bled into his actual personality but it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde thing and I sure. figured that would be kind of fun my pick for the uh for a serious uh uh Wesley Dread Power Roberts very much on the same uh sort of uh vein uh I went with Ryan Gosling who solid who is an amazing actor he can play very subdued he can play romantic and we've seen him in in you know in romantic roles but he can also be fucking brutal as shit, like in Drive, you know, yep. where he beats a, kicks a dude to death, you know, <laughs> it's like some shit. I was talking about Ryan Gosling, uh, well, regularly, because, I mean, who wouldn't? But also, right. in context of the conversation about non-toxic masculinity, yeah, and a lot of the roles that he takes on has that element where he's he's a strong male figure in a lot of his movies, uh, maybe not nice guys, <laughs> he's, a, right. he's a little shit in that movie, but hilarious, but... He plays these strong characters, but it's not toxic. He's not this no. machismo dude at all. He's this very kind of charismatic, kind, uh, you know, interesting character. He, he he often plays characters that, you know, don't speak a lot, you know, so he, he chooses his words, you know, or, or the character. You feel like the, the character chooses their words. You know, he's kind of like uh, the quiet loner in a lot of in a lot of movies. But he, you can communicate, he communicates so much without having to speak. One of the reasons why I loved his performance in Blade Runner 2049. I mean, he just, you know, even being a, a replicant himself, his, you know, the emotions and, and what came off of his character throughout the movie was outstanding. He, he knows how to let a scene breathe. Uh, mm -hmm. Just, we were talking earlier about directors able to do that as well, is that, 
um, he knows that a look can say just as much as a line, you know, and knowing how to pace that out to give the silence before a statement kind of thing. And that's, that's as important, the negative space in, in a conversation. And I think, um, you know, directors and writers are crafting roles with him in mind at this point, because it's more interesting to have a character, you know, that you get to figure out through their expressions, through their actual performance, as opposed to exposition and, and explanation. You know, when, when you have a, when you have an actor who can actually portray, you know, the character within a couple minutes without even having to say much, you really get the gist of, of what the character is all about. I mean, that's, that's a phenomenal. So absolutely. So yeah, I, I really dig that part because Dread Pirate Roberts or, or the character itself played by Carrie Wise in the original is a kind of a non-toxic masculine character where right. he's, he's kind and he's, he's got some real like, understanding of the people around him, even enemies that he has a, a real uh, lack of interest in trying to best them. It's more like if I have to, I guess. And even right. then it's like, I apologize for what's about to happen. There's no right. toxicity there. So I think Ryan Gosling, yeah, that's, that's super solid. Yeah. For my uh, not so serious, I went with, again, I'm, I'm deciding for Uwe Boll to do either uh, actors that are just interesting choices based on budget or, or <laughs> actors that never really reach the peak of like a list or maybe not even B list, uh, that they're known quantities, but not, uh, the perfect choice, I gotcha. but kind of fits. And so I think one that would f- follow into that is the, uh, the star of the movie need for speed. And also one of the actors from breaking bad, uh, Aaron Paul. Yeah. Okay. Aaron Paul is Wesley in a UV bowl. <laughs> Princess Bride. What that means is that Aaron Paul has not cashed in effectively on his Breaking Bad Correct. fame, and he's like, "Damn, I need a paycheck." <laughs> he's, he's Mark Hamilling right now. Where he has a lot of uh, a reason to blow up, and it's just not happening. Maybe he just likes to work. You know, I mean, Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken did the same thing. They were just working men. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's what he's got to do is beat the pavement. Just get <laughs> start acting a lot, and one of them will stick. Exactly. All you need is one accidentally iconic role, and then you're golden after that. And he already had one. So, he already has one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my Wesley. For uh, Buttercup, I'm assuming you cast a Buttercup. Oh, in, absolutely. In uh, yeah, I got, my serious Buttercup, I got to go with Uma Thurman. I mean, for, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, Yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer. And I actually... And she's played a bride before. So, she has. Yeah. Rather well. Rather well. You know? Yeah. And she can bring it, you know, uh, I actually kind of like the fact that she's a few years, she's probably got a decade on Ryan Gosling easy, but I kind of like that because you remember the origin. It's the stable boy and the, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. I so think that it, almost fits better. It doesn't really matter that she's, she's older. And then again, you know, I mean, who says they need to be the same age anyway? Yeah. But, um, no, I, I know that she can bring the drama. She can bring the violence. I'm, I'm, I'm in. She can bring like everything, you know? You know, when you said Quentin Tarantino is your serious, I had my doubts and for, you know, I mean, clear reasons, but as, as we're going along, it's not to say that it's the best choice for a princess bride movie, but I'm definitely more interested in seeing this version. Who would you trust to make a hard R princess bride more than Quentin Tarantino? Ah, uh, yeah. Hard R. Yeah, I mean, I have fantasy elements, but that might even be too dark as Guillermo. But 
That's true, yeah. But that would be almost like he would turn it into a straight up like Grim style, original Grim style fairy tale version. Yeah, he would. Yeah, that'd be. And there would be definitely some horrific deaths. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my serious for uh, for Buttercup, Princess Buttercup, I decided to go with an actress that Michelle Gondry has worked with before. I think she's got the the look and also the uh, the chops acting wise to be able to pull this off is one uh, Kate Winslet, who was in Eternal Sunshine. Goddamn right. I think she's got the qualities that you can definitely see her as a kind of almost uh, royal presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also down to earth enough that you could understand her falling for a stable boy, that she's not too oh, uppity. Absolutely. And and she is beautiful. And she's beautiful and she's quirky enough that, I mean, she already has worked with Michelle Gondry and well, so, and I'm pretty sure she'd uh, be down to uh, cuddle up next to a, a strong Viking gentleman more than Jim Carrey. So uh, that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. So, so um, yeah. What's your, uh, your funny for Buttercup? Um, my funny... For Buttercup, uh, Aubrey Plaza. It, okay, in I'm in. Well, but I also have a deep, deep, deep love for uh, Aubrey. Plaza. She's amazing, yeah. and like her sort of like sarcastic, snark personality, just completely transforms the character. Sure, know? because she's not. I I wouldn't say like a classical princess beauty sort of. Sure, I mean she's pretty. Oh, I, gorgeous. I, yeah, I, I but uh. Yeah, it it just um I could just see her going up against uh against uh Humperdinck and just being this like snarky, like rude chick where he, she's in the tower and she's like, "Can I get some fucking bread at least? Something? I'm I'm fucking starving. Like I understand you want me to fit in my dress, but I don't want to die before our wedding." Yeah. You know, just like being really shitty. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everything she brings to her movies like and some of her indie flicks are amazing. Oh, the uh the time travel one, the safety not guaranteed. That was good. She was fantastic in that. Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West was great. Was whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she and, can bring it. Like and darker than I expected. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. She can bring the darkness. Oh yeah. And she was hilarious in the little hours, the 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 nun movie. That was pretty much all uh ad libbed for the most part, from what I understand, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean you can kind of tell. But, it was hilarious. Because the plot is just like, I don't know, witches, sure. <laughs> uh did did you go over your, uh, did we go over our, our, our funny Wesley's we did? Didn't yeah, we? I did Aaron Paul and you did, uh, Simon Pegg, Simon. No, no, you didn't do Simon Pegg. Okay. So that's your Wesley is your, funny yeah, I, Simon think, Pegg. I think we just missed it. Okay. Okay. And, and, and it was just because, um, yeah, we were just getting, yeah, what, yeah, no, no, no. So Simon Pegg as Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg go together. Yeah. I'm okay. sorry. But like he would be perfect cause he, he's got the charisma, you know, he can bring the funny, but I also know we've seen him. He can act. Like he can bring drama when necessary, but um, he's perfect for the role because he's not an unattractive dude. Like he can be a hero. We've seen it, and you know, in, in hot fuzz, in hot fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he could learn the choreography for using a sword. Well, also, I think he'd be able to put a little bit of a he's been kind of playing up the pirate part more than he actually is, where he's right. accidentally good at it. Right. Kind of the exactly. Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. Where it's just like, I accidentally succeed at this shit. He's just <laughs> immensely lucky. It's, I, I always thought that Indiana, Indiana Jones had the, the superpower that Domino has in Deadpool 2, where it's just, he's just lucky. Like, it's not that he's good at it. It's right. just, it just ends up falling in his way. Right. Uh, his way every time. So, yeah, I think Simon Pegg would do similar. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Uh, my, uh, my funny buttercup is I was trying to think of a actress that has kind of fallen out of the bottom end of Hollywood that would be in an Uwe Boll movie. 
And I could think of none better than one that's already uh, run through Rodriguez. Uh, one Lindsay Lohan as Princess Buttercup. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. I bet she does not command a high price. Not a high price. No, no. I think uh, I think she would uh, be able to be uh, afforded in this uh, in this top dollar uh, adaptation yeah. of uh, Princess Bride. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Lindsay Lohan. I don't feel like I have to go that deeply into, <laughs> into that uh, decision there. Um. Oh man. So uh, who do you have next for? casting okay uh i was gonna we can do um uh prince humperdinck okay if we want to do humperdinck we can do that we can we can jump down to vizini you want to do vizini um let's do humperdinck first then we'll do vizini all right so i i found an actor that could perfectly portray prince humperdinck in both my director's versions okay and it's jeff goldblum Ooh, that's like that's uh that line from uh high fidelity is like oh that's so good it should have been mine that's perfect it is because you know he can he could play it up the funny and the weird and just be gold blooming through the edgar wright side of things and then i don't know if you saw hotel artemis no i still haven't seen it i really want to see it he plays kind of like a like a kingpin guy crime boss and he brings like he's kind of terror like he he's gold blooming but in a kind of a more sinister and like scary way okay so he can bring that and i think you know tarantino could could definitely direct him beautifully but i, I you know i was i was trying to think of a of, of separates and i was just like well what the fuck man he could be in both it works yeah he could definitely play it two different ways yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely okay i dig it i dig it yeah um, I went for Humperdinck. I wanted to go a little bit more on the quirky. Uh, and I also wanted a character that is kind of detestable, but in a lovable way, because he, as much as you're rooting against him, it's still a charming character for being so such a, a, a scoundrel, you know? And he's kind of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted I wanted an actor that could play like the things better of himself than is actually worth it. Right. And uh, so I went uh, into the Wes Anderson camp. And I pulled out uh, one Jason Schwartzman <laughs> to play Humperdinck. <laughs> I, I think that would be super fun, especially playing against Kate Winslet, who has this very kind of royal kind of approach to her. Oh, with yeah. this Jason Schwartzman just being an ass, just oh, being yeah. a self-important ass the whole time. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm just seeing him straight out of Rushmore. Yeah, exactly. That's just what I was like, thinking. Oh, of. yeah. Or him in uh, like, talking about your boy, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, uh, like like a grown up child, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. Yeah, and also probably shorter than Kate Winslet, which would be funny dynamics on screen as well. Sure. Just put, much shorter. Put her in some some modest heels, like four inch heels. And yeah, it, it really makes that point. Oh my god, it would be great. <laughs> so uh, my funny, because uh, that was my serious. <laughs> my funny is I wanted somebody that was like bottom barrel that it, you can really detest him just for being him as an actor, and so it really translates well to Humperdinck. Somebody who I uh, wasn't exactly a fan of before, but after his remarks about uh, Stan Lee recently, uh, I figured, why not get Bill Maher to play Humperdinck? In this? Well, he was so damn good in Cannibal Women. Uh, what was it? Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. I'm actually like both proud and disappointed in myself that I sat through that with you. <laughs> that movie is beyond ridiculous it's like the grade z indiana jones knockoff isn't adrian barbeau in that as like the lead she, amazon uh, she's in it 
Yeah, I think she's one of the, yeah, she's one of the Amazon. Yeah, that definitely it was uh you know, straight to VHS. Oh sort yeah. Of, sort of release. Back when movies that should have been straight to VHS still got theatrical releases, this yeah. was like no. <laughs> we're like, eh. we're just straight to S- straight to the video store. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Bill Maher, that's where you are in my book, is that you're at the bottom end of a Uwe Boll movie. Goddamn right. Yeah, no, he uh, he pissed off all the geeks in the world yeah. last week. So yeah, he's got some, he's, he's got to make up. He's got to kiss some ass for a while. Him and Army Hammer have a lot of uh, backpedaling to do. Oh, I don't even know about Army Hammer. What do you do? Oh, Army Hammer is shit on people that posted photos of them with Stan Lee. It's like, oh, it's great that you're using the death of a celebrity to show how cool you are by posting a picture of yourself. And everyone went after him like, no, it's saying that like, I love this dude and it meant a lot to me for me to meet him. And it was a good memory. It was a good memory. You shit. (laughs) Whatever. And somebody else went after him and was like, oh, almost like shitting on other people for posting pictures to make yourself more noticeable on social media. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, What's mm. your Instagram account about? How many followers you got? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Bill Maher for Humperdinck. Now uh, we're going to uh, Vizzini. We can, or we can do Count Rogan. Um, I do not have a Count Rogan, so if you want to knock out Rogan real quick. I'll do that, because he is the true villain, in my opinion, of, of I mean, Prince Humperdinck is the prince, and he's, you know, he's a, you know, a bitch. But and, he's a nothing. But he's a nothing. Like, the guy who really is evil is Count Rogan, the six-figured man, the guy that Nigel Montoya is, you know, going after to kill. So um yeah I did cast him in uh in my serious uh, Quentin Tarantino role perfect casting Christoph Waltz. Ooh yeah yeah 100%. He could That's pull perfect. it off. He could he could pull off like the perfect speech, you know, he, the very sort of like English style of delivery of lines. He's very measured in how he responds. And yet you know everything that he does is sinister. And, you know, I could just see Christoph Waltz explaining to poor Wesley while he's strapped down to to the machine. Oh, my God. With almost a, a mild guinness just at the back end yeah. burner, just kind of simmering there. And, I mean, he does have a little bit of a German accent going on, which is perfect, you know, <laughs> for a villain that's going to torture someone, take their li- years of their life away. Um, so he was my serious for my... Uh, for my less than serious, for my uh, funny one, I had Nick Offerman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I, you know, he he played a villain like like the like the villainous royal in, in the Little Hours, but um, you know his his delivery of lines is just so funny to me in the context of of Count Rugen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I he would he would kill it. He would nail it. And he's got a, there's a look that he gives when he's Ron Swanson, when he's like, the fuck? Yeah. His response where it's like, it's not even quite an eyebrow raise. It's more, it's more in the eyes, but it's got this like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That would be perfect for that role. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he was definitely my funny choice. Okay. I dig it. I dig it a lot. All right. Uh, So let's, uh, Vizzini. Mm Mm-hmm. So for Vizzini, that's of course uh, who was the actor that played him? Um, uh, that was um, uh, my dinner with Andre. Um, what's his nuts? Oh, fucking uh, Wallace Shawn. Thank you. Yeah, Wallace Shawn. Um, who you know, inconceivable. 
Yes. Which, in, it's indeed. such an iconic role. It's really hard to really put it at, like so many of these roles, you know, how are you going to do it? But I figured somebody that could kind of play with it in their own way and be the like self-important pompous kind of like big bald dude character. And I thought it'd be a lot of fun uh, to let uh, Kyle Gass play with that in the uh, Michel Gondry, who's uh, half of Tenacious D. I was about to say, yeah, like yeah. the Tenacious D. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's got kind of the look a little bit. Um, yeah, okay. If uh, you mixed him with uh, with uh, what's the robot from Futurama? The uh, that that oh eats, Bender? No, that eats all the grapes and is like the. Uh, it's it's the golden robot that sits on a throne and he eats grapes. Oh, and I don't remember. Yeah, okay. But you mix those two together and you get Kyle Gass. Okay, so. all right, all right, yeah. But I feel like him just ordering people around and being like a little shit when it's clear that he doesn't know what he's doing half the time would be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think that would be super fun, especially in the context of Michel Gondry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who do you got for your serious? Uh, my serious, uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Okay. Because um, he... You know, he can play subdued, but he also, when he, when he gets big, I, I was thinking like Steve Buscemi, like his intensity when he was Mr. Pink, where he's okay. just like, like, you know, when, when he gets all riled up and freaking out, like, uh, but he's, he, he can play smart and he could definitely play. I'm smarter than I think I am. His smug look is real good. It is really good. It's real good. And he, he looks like kind of a weasel. Yeah. Very you much. know, in a, in a sense. So like, and of course he's a mainstay and, and, you know, for a lot of Tarantino's Tarantino, movies, yeah. but I think he's just a shoe in and he's, he's great. That's, I, I, I do like that casting choice. It's not, I didn't even consider somebody that had a totally different look. I mean, the look is world's different. Oh yeah. But I feel like personality wise, I think that'd be a really interesting choice. Well, I mean, you could all, I mean, it, it's movie making, man. You can always uh, make him look different too, and I you mean, could Big Mama's house, Steve Buscemi. I mean, put him in a fat suit. Well, just imagine him with a bald head. Oh, that's oh fucking no, terrifying. That is that, terrifying. It's like the you know thing of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I uh, I went back and forth on my funny for uh, Vizzini. The first choice that I had, uh, I thought would be really fun and kind of a gender swap thing, would be Rebel Wilson. It'd okay. be super fun, uh, but I feel uh, I had to kind of back it up a little bit because this is a Uwe Boll joint, <laughs> and I don't think Rebel Wilson would waste her time on that kind of a film. So no. uh, even if it was Princess Bride, but it's like the it's it's not even Kmart. It's it's like the the ninety nine cent store of Princess Bride. Yeah, it's the it's, it's the Ollies, <laughs> yeah. not Big Lots. Ollies <laughs> or uh, <laughs> what do we have in California? Save a lot. Yeah, there you go. Or yeah. <laughs> shop for less <laughs> version. So I, I nixed rebel Wilson just because this is it. This is not good enough for rebel Wilson. And I went with an actor that uh, I'm not sure is alive or not <laughs> anymore, but you may know as uh ortho and uh, Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, uh, yeah. One Glenn Shaddix is the actor. I don't know if he's still alive. I'm not sure, but I figured I'd throw that out because I think that'd be a, just kind of a very effeminate version of, yeah. of the character. No, I dig it. And just very smug, very self-important, and uh, just a little bit more effeminence on it, I think would be super fun, especially playing against um, uh, whoever it was picked for uh, for Fezzik. You know, big, burly, like very kind, burly man, and then this just like kind of kind of waspy, like effeminate, you know, uh, oh, yeah. self-important. Yeah, it'd be just a really fun play off of each other. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I dig it. So uh, what, what was your funny? 
Uh, my funny Vizzini is Gilbert Gottfried. Oh my god! Because <laughs> if you're if you're gonna one up Wallace Shawn's Vizzini, you get Iago the parrot. You gotta go full on Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and I mean, you don't even have to change the lines. <laughs> Honestly, at that point, it would be almost funnier if Edgar Wright just like, all right, I just need you to say these lines like you do. <laughs> Okay, now this begs for, and I know this is in GUI where we do like readings of the scene, but we've got to use one of the lines from the famous like scene, the yeah. the last scene with uh with Vizzini, uh, doing our best Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, we can so, do that. Later. So um, <laughs> I apologize for the volume levels. I'm backing away from the microphone a little bit. What, what is it? Never gamble with a or never. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I'm, I'm. This is way too much build up for what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, it really is. is. Going to be really bad. It, it really is. It's like. Never, uh, never gamble with your life with a Sicilian. Or, with, I, I don't remember with, the fucking never line. Never gamble with a Sicilian when death is on the line. I think there it is. Okay, yeah. So. yeah. Never. No. Okay. See, this is bad. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. Okay. Never gamble with the. I'm just doing William Murderface. <laughs> it's a William Murderface. Never gamble with a Sicilian when death is on the line. Yeah. No. I see. I can't do. Yeah, I mean, you weren't squinting your eyes enough. That's what it was. I needed to squint my eyes more. That would have made it really I, I couldn't even pretend to to try a Gilbert Gottfried impression. Just, just give us a little love. Come on. Get in there. All right, all right, all right. Get balls on. deep in that Gilbert Gottfried impression. All right, all right. <laughs> Inconceivable! I have no idea, man. I can't do it. <laughs> the weird posture that you put your face in uh, to get that one word out was fantastic well he always looks like he's like trying to squirt a shit out or something like like he's been constipated for for a week the man like just can't see when he performs you look like you were in pain and coming at the same time uh have you seen the man (laughs) (laughs) he always looks like that you looked like you had you were trying to fuck one of those bug lights that you hang outside. Ooh, I haven't tried that before. Yeah, well, it's a new fetish I just created. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, so we've got uh Vizini Fezzik, I'd say, is probably the next uh next one go. on the on the list here, which of course was played by the incomparable Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Which this is tough. It's tough because well, there's multiple reasons why this is tough. Well, the biggest reason is that is that he's he, big. <laughs> he's such a huge, like incredibly giant specimen of humanity. Nobody else is as big as he is. Yeah. Right? Basically, you know, I mean, you could pick like a big dude from like that, whatever that big guy who's in Game of Thrones or some shit. But, you know, there's nobody that is the gentle giant like he was. Sure. So who, uh, Who'd you do for a serious? Uh, for my serious for uh, Fezzik, uh, you may—he's been in a number of things. But the first time that I was made aware of this actor was in a little movie uh, by Tim Burton by the name of Big Fish. Oh yeah, I uh, Matthew uh, McGrary. Yep, who was the giant in Big Fish, and he's got a very deep voice. He's got kind of an interesting look. He's a lot slimmer than Andre, which is not you know hard. That's well, yeah. <laughs> Um, like literally everyone else on the planet is not as broad as that man was. Right. Wasn't he also one of the family in, in, uh, in, uh, not the devil's rejects but the first one, house of the Co- house of thousand corpses. Yeah. I think yeah. he's tiny fuck to stump. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been in a bunch of other stuff. Good actor, very mm-hmm. good actor. And he's a gigantic man. And I feel like, especially in a Michel Gondry, it's French. So everybody's thinner. 
um, that it would work to have just this kind of like slightly, I wouldn't even so go, go as far to say misshapen cause he's not, he's just very gangly, uh, as a man. I think that would work, you know, as yeah. just being kind of a giant type character. So that's my, my serious take. <laughs> All right. Uh, what'd you do for your series? Um, I actually did the rock. Okay. Because, um, a, he can act. He can act. He can act. Surprisingly, he can like, act. Like very well, he yeah. can act. You know, and I, I went, my, you know, I thought about The Rock and then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll go with Batista. But I settled on The Rock because he has such a range. And I know he played one of the funniest characters in the Get Shorty sequel, Be Cool, where he played like the gay bouncer who wanted to be like a cowboy actor, oh, right. star, or yeah, something, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it was. And he was. I was fucking rolling every time he was on, on on screen. He was so fucking funny. So imagining him being able to have a subdued performance as opposed to like, you know, his big over the top, you know, action star or whatever. I think he could pull it off where he could basically, you know, play a simpleton. It would be such a departure from his normal roles. But in the context of a Quentin Tarantino like you know remake of of this movie i think he would be down i i dig it all right fair enough uh my funny yeah for uh fezzik is i was thinking more of how uh andre the giant spoke (laughs) and i i wanted somebody that could kind of really like take that up okay and also kind of a, a a big dude not not nearly as big as uh as andre the giant but somebody that had that like hulking person so no, no better than somebody that played the hulk uh lou ferrigno in, right. in a uve bowl princess bride movie yeah he'd be affordable he'd be a, he'd, he'd be affordable yeah, yeah, yeah you could get him in he's the yeah. low, low rent uh andre the giant <laughs> <laughs> the fun sized andre the giant there you go no yeah. i like that okay um my funny one um is leslie jones because <laughs> what? she is an, <laughs> because she is an actual giant of a woman and she's fucking hilarious. She is hilarious. I I love her so much, but she is the biggest person on SNL. Oh, and, she's and, like, she's taller than anybody who even comes in to like unless they have like an NFL guy or something. Yeah. She's just towers over everybody. So considering the rest of the cast yeah, she would uh, like everybody on this cast. Like, I, I think at this point, the tallest person would be Nick Offerman, and she would still be like a head and a half taller than him. Oh, so yeah, still clearly taller. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry. I laughed so hard because that's so beyond not what I was expecting for that <laughs> casting. Um, that, that came out of left field. So, yeah, well done. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, then the next one is the, the third of the. Uh, of the bad boys you know, oh, yeah. that uh, that ran with, and one of my favorite characters from The Princess Bride, absolutely uh, played by Mandy Patinkin. Originally, ori- yeah. originally we're talking Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya, which is one of the most quoted lines of the entire movie. Is hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You get my father. Yep. Um, which is that whitewashing? Is Mandy Patinkin like just a white dude? Is playing a Spaniard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was a big like uh, Broadway guy. Yeah. So, I mean, he he was in Pirates Penzance and all that shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that 100%. Probably so, in the same costume. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably save some just, money. He took his Pirates of Penzance outfit and just brought it to the Princess yep. Bride set like I'm good. <laughs> it's like Rob Reiner, I already know how to uh, how to fling around a sword. I did it on stage. 
<laughs> he's like, all right, sweet. That works. Do it. Now, do I get to sing? No. Shut up, Mandy. No. <laughs> this feels like a musical, but it's not quite a musical. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Which I I can I can maybe like sprinkle that on for, for listeners of all the GY stuff. Actually, thinking about that now, I bet you a dollar within the next five years, you're going to see a freaking... Uh, Princess Bride musical? Princess Bride musical. I mean, it's ripe for it. I, it would 100% translate. I mean, I just saw the Beetlejuice musical a few weeks ago. That was apparently hilarious, right? It was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was, it was vulgar as shit. It was great. I will tell listeners that also listen to Geeks Under the Influence, our flagship podcast, that uh, the last podcast of the year for GY... We're doing a musicals episode uh, that may or may not include the uh, panelists doing some singing on the uh, on the episode. So check it out. We're leaving 2018 with a bang. uh, And by bang, I mean, like just raging dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like it's it going to be bad. (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah. Nigo Montoya is the uh, next one up. And so I wanted for the Michel Gondry joint. Yeah. um, A actor that's incredibly charismatic, but also has the ability to kind of wink at the audience with his portrayals as well. Uh, fun, but not in that comedic kind of way. Just like you, you're, you're smiling when he comes on, on screen. Yeah, 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 sure. And I thought maybe the greatest pilot in the, uh, in the galaxy from, uh, from the new star Wars movies, uh, one Oscar Isaac. Okay. As Montoya. I dig it. So, so he'd be a little bit more kind of almost, I wouldn't say street, but he'd be a lot more like self-talk kind of tone to yeah. his character, as opposed to a more classical, swordsman you know yeah uh, i like I, it no he does have a good bit of charisma i like him yeah yeah i like him yeah. a lot and uh he was in a oh, what was the coen brothers flick that he was in um uh uh it wasn't um uh well i know the guy who played han solo was in uh uh was in what was that uh, uh no, hail caesar no no i was thinking the uh the singer songwriter one that uh oh oh you're talking about um yeah, yeah, I, the, the folk singer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah, that's I, okay. I was just me- mess- mixing up my uh, Star Wars actors. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I was like, eh, you know. Yeah, now the Star Wars actually has actors that people have seen before and stuff. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Oscar Isaac is my uh, serious for Inigo Montoya. I think that'd be super fun. And I, I know enough uh, women in, in, in our friend group that swoon over him anyway. Oh, yeah. That it wouldn't sure. be hard to translate that into uh, uh, one of the most lovable characters in Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I can see that. Uh, so for my serious one, again, considering that um, we're going hard R Tarantino, um, I really wanted to play up the vengeance uh, aspect of his character's drive. You okay. killed my father, prepare to die. And again, age really isn't like a huge thing for the role. He can, he can you know, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Who just looks like someone who has lived the hardest life ever. That's true. Or had the hardest run ever in life. And he has worked for years to, to, to find Christoph Waltz's character, who he is and kill him. See, and Danny Trejo looks like Enigma Montoya's father that did get murdered. Right. He, <laughs> he, he basically does. Although I don't know about how he would play the role in general overall, but you saying that now all I want in the world like more than anything, more than finding true love, um, true love is to hear Danny Trejo deliver the line. Hello, my name is Nigga Montoya. You killed my father prepared to die. Like in, in full Danny Trejo. In the full Danny Trejo. Yes. Yes. I want and that. I, I picture him, you know, even set in the fantasy era 
instead of having like a rapier, he would have like a like a fucking Saracen sword or some shit, like uh, like Morgan Freeman from Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. You know, just some like big ass like I'm gonna fucking murder you to death. Fuck yeah, sword or maybe a battle axe. I don't know, <laughs> something awesome. The battle axe from Mandy. <laughs> oh my god, that battle axe was everything. Which, by the way, this is super out of uh, anything we're talking about. But if you have not seen Mandy starring Nicolas Cage, uh, and you're listening to this, it means you're a film fan. Um, just buy it. Buy it sight unseen. I did. Watch I am so glad movie. that I own it now because I will watch that a million fucking times. I love, love, love Mandy. It is the most metal, psychedelic metal movie of all time. It's like, for me, it feels like it's straight out of the comic book pages of Heavy Metal Magazine circa 1984. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so badass. It's super fucking trippy, super fucking metal. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's our serious yeah. uh, Inigo Montoya. Our funny... Yeah, And again, I'm going with uh, actors that may have been very well known in their day, but aren't doing a whole lot nowadays. And I thought just a nice flabby Antonio Bandaras would be an interesting take. And really just kind of like just the checkbox at the end of this movie of like, this is how trash this movie is. That it's like a flabby Antonio Banderas being a (laughs) Nego Montoya where it's like, he's not even doing really that much sword work in these things. It's a lot of like cling, 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 not even going down low, cling, cling, just, just back and forth up top. I can kind of see him like, uh, Wearing the same outfit from El Mariachi, but like being overweight, like so all the buttons the are buttons pulling, are stretched, yeah, <laughs> and it's like you can kind of see his belly from outside the shirt, and just that initial swords fighting scene at the top of the cliff with Aaron Paul, <laughs> where Aaron Paul's just like flipping around like the little Chihuahua dog in the Looney Tune cartoons around the bulldog, just like around or like Yoda in that fucking episode two where he's like a little little like monkey on on like you know speed. Like all over the place while slow, like Jabba the Hutt, Antonio Banderas is like, oh, Aaron Paul, uh, 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 just trying to get him. It would be fucking everything. <laughs> oh, man, my face kind of hurt. That's really funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a good visual yeah. in my brain. So those are the uh, the bad dudes. Yeah. Well, um, let me see. The, the funny, funny Inigo Montoya for me. Would have to be Luis Guzman. Ooh, I like Luis Guzman. He is so fucking funny. And he's like, I mean, I could just see Edgar Wright like pulling someone like that out. And like, here he is. And you're you're expecting like a fit dashing fellow. <laughs> right. And it's Luis Guzman. Luis and, Guzman. And he is so fucking funny in everything that he's in. Yeah. Always. And I can just see him. He wouldn't even have a sword. He'd just pull out a switchblade or some shit. <laughs> Be like, I got you, man. <laughs> yes, I, I, I approve. I sign off on that uh, on that choice there. So there you go. God damn it. <laughs> so uh, I, I've got one that I, I don't think you have. I think you did uh, the six-fingered man and I did the grandson. Right. Yeah, I didn't do the grandson or the grandfather because I think for me personally, like either way... I, I, you know, this, in my vision, this movie would be made. It wouldn't necessarily need that for the story. You know, it's definitely part of the original and it's, you know, it's part of the book, but you know, you could just tell the story too. Sure. You know, so I didn't even worry about that. All right. So the grandson, yeah, I, I, I did want to do the grandson and I definitely phoned it in with my serious, but it's just, I love this kid so goddamn much. 
and I think it would be fun. And he's probably a little older than he should be for the casting of the grandson by a couple years. But I just I really want him to be in this because I love him so much. Is of course, uh, Gaten. Matarazzo from Stranger Things. <laughs> nice. I do my best not to cast him most of the time on these episodes because I want to cast him in fucking everything. If there's yeah. a kid, like if it's a girl, I'd be like, nope, Gaten. Just like cast him in fucking everything. So you you want to cast him in uh, Larry Clark's remake of Kids? No, no, no. Keep him far away from that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no. You got to draw the line he's somewhere. He's too pure for that. <laughs> Make well, him play Casper. Oh, considering oh, oh. the entourage that we we saw him true with at the con, all those was, all those tween girls all the that tween were just girls. following him, dude. Yeah, he's not that pure anymore. No, 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 no. That kid's been places I've never been. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fame will do that to you. Oh my Grow God. you up real quick. There was a gaggle of of uh, tweens follow him, following him around. It was ridiculous. The best part was is that was they were passing by our open elevator, and my wife, who is even at that time in her mid thirties, shrieked like a thirteen year old girl. <laughs> she was just like, "Dust it." <laughs> <laughs> it made my whole weekend that one moment <laughs> so i was just good. like oh my god <laughs> so for for the grandson yeah gaten is my uh serious choice i think he would be a perfectly good choice i do sure. great with that role um for the grandson there was part of me a deep dark something wrong with me part of me that louis doesn't normally play a role in his movies but just to have him as the grandson with like an even older German, like get like Michael Madsen or something or not Michael Madsen. Uh, what's his, what's his face from Hannibal? Um, Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson to be the grandfather, <laughs> like who's actually younger than Uwe Boll, but you, Uwe Boll in the bed, like as the grandson. That's, that <laughs> sounds like a, like a perfect uh, funnier die skit. Is, yeah. Right. Is it Michael Madsen or Mads Mickelson? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> There's something combining those two people. No, but I think uh, as far as age-wise goes and uh, actors that are just uh, kind of worthless in Hollywood is uh, uh, Jaden Smith, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Will Smith kid. Right, um, yeah. You know, he, he's done so much since uh, After Earth and the Karate Kid remake, you know. He's already oh, been in one classic movie remake that was an abortion. So why not throw him in another oh, one? Yeah, you know, that movie that should have been called The Kung Fu Kid. Yeah, yeah, The Kung Fu Kid, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's uh, that was my choice for the uh, the funny for grandson. It's just Jaden needs some work. He's too busy wearing white Batman outfits and talking about fucking Scientology. So, uh, just get, <laughs> give him something to do. I guess if I had to think of it like off the cuff, uh, my serious uh, choice would probably be. Um, the kid. Uh, the kid from a quiet place. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, I don't know the kid's name offhand. N- not the boy, the girl. Oh, the girl. The girl. Okay. Like the girl who. The yeah, deaf, why not? The yeah, no, that, yeah, that would be perfect. I figured it would be perfect. And like, you know. Although the whole reading to her thing. I don't know how that would. Re- there'd be a lot more sign language involved. Yeah, definitely. Be sign language. You can get um, like you know, she could be a, like adopted and her grandfather would be like Samuel Jackson. And he would just be like signing. Like gang. Now the fucking thing is, <laughs> there are these motherfuckers called RUSs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I would say the f- the funny one would be if you got Haley Joel Osment now and got him to shave his beard. 
<laughs> put him in the bed. Because you make the room really cold, so he's just breathing and you're seeing the breath. Yeah. <laughs> he's so he's kind of just like a pla- big, giant, plump version of himself from like the Sixth Sense. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm thinking the name of this episode, and uh, uh, who was it you said that? Um, uh, Haley Joel. Ha- Haley, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Reading to Haley Joe Walsman is definitely up there as far as the title for this episode. <laughs> good, good night, Haley Joe Walsman. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that might work. All right, so we're uh, done with our casting, and now we're going to talk about a little bit of mashup action before we continue on. Now, do you have some uh, some stuff that you'd like to see mashed up with uh, Princess Bride? Hair Absolutely, groots? hair Groots. Absolutely. What do you got going for you? I would love to see a, a mashup of Princess Bride and Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. All Muppet characters. Wow. But fucking weird as shit and fucked up. That'd be awesome. See, I almost considered, because I was looking at uh, uh, mashups, uh, and I have something actually kind of similar there with, with puppet work, of actually doing a puppet version and have it directed by Jim Henson, or not Jim Henson. Uh, uh, Brian Henson? Brian Henson. Frank yeah. Oz or something? Or Frank Oz, or you know, one of the Creature yeah. Workshop dudes. And uh, I just couldn't think of how that would translate into actors, because it would just be voice actors at that point, and that's less fun. Yeah, I guess for, I for mean, this episode anyway. It, I mean, they could they could pull off like a dark crystal sort of thing that would be like really interesting to look at, and it wouldn't really matter who the voices were as long as they could convey the the drama or whatever. But yeah, but, but uh, what what I settled on for uh, for my mashup and uh, so meet the feebles. So there's going to be like drugs and fucking muppets. Uh, maybe the RUSs are like just doing heroin and like fucking each other in the, yeah. in the, in the forest. Yeah, basically that's yeah okay. Cause that's like the only puppet scene that I can think of really. And there, and even then it was, I think just little dudes in, in cost in outfits. I just, I, you know, and I, you know what? And I really wanted to see that fucked up puppet movie that Brian, uh, Henson actually. Put oh out. yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the something murders the, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't, but ever since meet the feebles, I've been, I mean, it ruined me for kid shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Gotta remember the first time I watched that movie. It was, oh, yeah, that was a lot. Apparently, uh, his first three movies, uh, Peter Jackson's first three movies are all getting 4K scan re-releases. So you're going to be able to see Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and Dead Alive in like super high def sometime in the near future yes which is amazing when there when it comes to muppet fucking i want to make sure that that's the crispest cleanest picture that i could find well goddamn, yeah like the best quality like dvd out there still looks like a shitty vhs rip yeah that's true and it makes me mad because i want to screen that shit at strange ways but i don't know if that would go over that's that's right on that borderline of possibly too much for any kind of public consumption <laughs> it probably is people be like you just ruined my childhood. I'm never coming back. Well, like, uh, what was what was the last film that we uh, we screened there? Uh, that was uh, that was a little dark. That there no, there was like a straight up fucking scene or something that was happening where I was just waiting for somebody to walk in at that moment. And oh, uh, you were talking about um, oh, you're talking about brain damage. Brain damage. Oh no, when there was the weird blowjob scene. The we- yeah, the weird like hooker blowjob scene where the alien like goes into her mouth and scoops out of brains or whatever yeah i was waiting for somebody to just walk into the back room for the first time during that scene and go what the fuck is even happening here <laughs> luckily that the timing wasn't perfect for that I, I like pushing the boundary just a little bit just to see how far we can get strange ways to go you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there 
Uh, one mashup that I had that I thought would be interesting is just put a little bit of uh, stoner humor in there and mash up Princess Bride with Your Highness. <laughs> the uh the the yeah. fantasy stoner comedy sure sure with, with danny mcbride, danny McBride. And... <laughs> that man can do no wrong oh i just think it would be funny as if like maybe on their on their journey maybe through the through the uh the fire swamps or something that they run across them on their journey and they just like have a leg of the journey together yeah and so they're just like super in love and being like adorable and it's all like pretty and wonderful and then there's Danny McBride just saying fuck every other word yep. and like smoking weed and was like this looks like a plant we can smoke motherfucker oh man this shit got me high as hell I'm seeing giant rats you know just like <laughs> freaking out it'd be fucking great yeah that would be good um, and oddly enough uh, we already brought it up earlier but I've been so fucking obsessed with it and sorry people for going dark throughout this entire like you know situation but Mandy and the Princess Bride. Oh my god. Because it is a revenge movie about love, but you take it super dark. Super dark. Super dark. Like the the moment where he makes the axe and everything and Mandy, that's the scene right after the uh the stretcher like scene and you yeah. just kind of combine it. Like that's where it just goes Mandy after that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's straight up Princess Bride up to the rack and then post rack it goes super fucking hard R like drug trip crazy Nick Cage yeah. like batshit wild and even and even with uh, Princess Buttercup I mean when she realizes that he was alive and then you know Prince Humperdinck uh, fucking betrayed her and, and had him killed like she goes fucking Mandy crazy you know like yeah, fucking true like just everything about Mandy is it's it's in my top five favorite movies of this year. So no, far. the new title is just Watch Mandy. Is the yes. name of this episode yeah, exactly? <laughs> Another mashup I thought would be funny is not so much mashup as just you can maybe incorporate the two together by making this the prequel. Is Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, where like Jack Sparrow is just like the Dread Pirate Roberts, where it's a title, yeah, and then he takes over being Jack Sparrow for a little bit, and then you have. Um, Fucking either Aaron Paul or Alexander Ludwig uh, doing the weird hand bullshit that Jack Sparrow does in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies during Princess Bride. <laughs> but he's like also rum wasted the entire time. Hello, love. As you wish, love. <laughs> during the movie. Yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to see Aaron Paul pull off that accent. <laughs> yeah, right? No shit. He can, he can do American and more American. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Oh, my God. So and then of course labyrinth I thought would be interesting uh, with the whole puppets thing I th- I thought it'd be interesting to uh, have some mystical aspects of labyrinth pa- paired into there's a whole lot happening in the fire swamps apparently because oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that's where it would all you could just mash up whatever in there exactly yeah so at this point uh, we're at the tail end of this episode so we're going to be doing our trailers at this point so uh, uh, before we get with that I want to mention definitely to check out the on the 28th the day that this is coming out the beautiful disastrous b-movie night at strange ways brewing company from 6 30 is when the doors open to nine o'clock p.m it's free 21 and up it's going to be an absolute blast more info is at gypodcast.com also we have so much merch so much goddamn merch oh hell yeah so we have koozies we have stickers all of those are available only exclusively at gui events and uh, if you want more than that and you're not in the Richmond area as well, we have paired up with T Public. So if you go to gypodcast.com backslash store, 
There is a link to our T Public store. There, there's T-shirts for Smack My Pitch Up. I'm actually wearing on this audio podcast, so you know, good, good choice there. Indeed. My uh, Smack My Pitch Up T-shirt. I am now the guy that's wearing a T-shirt with my face on it. I've become that person. <laughs> uh, there's also beautiful disasters T-shirts, GY T-shirts. Uh, we still have the limited uh, time only uh, Halloween shirts, the Cthulhu GY shirt. Nice. Al- Alcohol Halloween and Elm Street Ale shirts. Uh, we've got stuff for Geek Father and Smash Talk and uh, and even the GUI Precap has a shirt up there. Fuck yeah. One of the shirt says, shut the fuck up, Hobbit, on it. Tons of cool shit. How is that not the biggest seller? I'm just waiting for everyone that goes to trivia regularly to buy that shirt. <laughs> so every time I show up, it's just a bunch of people telling me to shut the fuck up via their t-shirts. And I'll, I'll go... I will, because you paid for those shirts. <laughs> Thank you. There you <laughs> I go. Appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's our I guess I guess advertising. It's our merch. Go buy our merch. It's fucking rad. It's really cool designs, and they're uh, for most of December they're all going to be on sale because of uh, holiday sales and stuff. So normally the shirts are twenty bucks a piece. Uh, they are now fourteen bucks. So super reasonable price yeah, t-shirts uh, for most of December. If they're not on sale when you go on there in December, uh, wait like two days and it will be on sale. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be posting when stuff goes on sale on our social media as well. So now we're going to uh, pick out our music for the uh, trailers. And uh, did you want to go first or second on this one? Uh, You know, I can just go first if you want. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to press pause on my side, and w- which means nothing on your side, listeners. Uh, so next up is Groot's doing his trailer. This winter. From the mind of Quentin Tarantino. A new take on a classic fantasy romance. In vengeance for the pirate's bride. Watch as Ryan Gosling plays the hero Wesley. Searching to find his love of Buttercup. Princess Buttercup, played by Uma Thurman, <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum as Prince Humperdinck, Christoph Waltz as the dastardly Count Rugen, and your favorites, Steve Buscemi as Vizini, The Rock playing Fezzik, and Danny Trejo as Inigo Montoya. A tale of bloody revenge. Action, romance, and more blood. Because this is Quentin Tarantino's version of the Princess Bride. Vengeance for the Pirate's Bride. It's always stupid. That's, I tell new people that coming on for the first time on Smack My Pitch Up that this isn't supposed to be good. You're not. You're not auditioning to be the new in a world guy like this none of us are getting that job this is just us being Ugh. idiots that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to be an idiot that so. was so fun yeah but that's the thing it's supposed to be fun so i'm i'm gonna try to do uh something in the, in the vein of fun here so uh this is mine and i'm uh doing my uve bowl uh version of this for the uh for the trailer so here we go Wesley is a love-born pirate, traveling the world to find his one love, one buttercup. This summer, join 
his raggedy band of misfits as they traverse the countryside looking for love and for hijinks. This ain't your daddy's Princess Bride. This is the Brute Squad's Princess Bride. Yui Bowl brings you Aaron Paul as Wesley, the Dread Pirate Roberts, looking for his buttercup, played by Lindsay Lohan. At his side is his trusty friend looking for the six-fingered man, played by a pudgy Antonio Bandaras. Also in his wake is young Fezzik, played by Lou Ferrigno. And Vizzini, playing a battle of wits, played by Glenn Shaddix. Going up against the pure evil that is Bill Maher as Prince Humperdinck and just Bill Maher in general. Join Yui Bowl playing the grandson in his epic masterpiece remake of one of the most romantic stories ever to be told. Princess Bride, as you wish. <laughs> All right. Oh, shit. So, yeah, there we go. That went better than I expected on mine. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, my my uh, my title for the Edgar Wright version is As You Bloody Wish. Oh, nice. Because, <laughs> you know. Because British. Brits. British, yes. So, yeah, that that was fantastic. I really enjoyed this episode. Fuck I mean, yeah, man. It, hopefully, if anything, it's going to inspire you to watch a good version of Princess Bride, which is literally the only version out there currently uh, and the only version that should really exist. Thankfully, yes. Thankfully, yes. So go go watch your your copies of Princess Bride. Or, you know, if uh, you don't have a copy, just search. Uh, go to GYPodcast.com and go through the link on the top right corner to Amazon.com to pick up your purchase. Yep. We're shameless. Exactly. I don't give and a shit. But you should, you should own Princess Bride. Seriously. As I said before... Criterion Collection just released a brand new version of the movie. Like beautiful, like go get it. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm probably gonna end up getting that copy because I just have my old DVD copy. Exactly. You're probably gonna go through that link too. I, I'm gonna. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's how we do. So uh, definitely stay tuned to all the stuff happening in the month of December for Geeks Under the Influence Network. We've got a lot of stuff happening, including specials, um, including. Crazy episodes of GY, a uh, lot of, for Smack My Pitch Up for the remainder of the year, we're going to be doing movies that are thought of during Christmas, but aren't technically Christmas movies for the most part. Nice. Uh, so definitely check out all that stuff at GYpodcast.com and all our social media um, that you can find just by looking up Geeks Under the Influence or uh, GY Podcast um, on all of the social media stuff. And uh, we'll find you here, guys, next time. If you want to comment on ideas for future episodes of Smack My Pitch Up, or uh, comment on episodes that we've done and what you liked about it, or mashups that you you think would be fun for what we talked about. Just uh, hit us up on social media or hit the hotline number, uh, 804-505-4GY. That's 804-505-4484. And uh, leave a voicemail or a text, and we'll you know maybe read your shit on the uh, future episodes or uh, even play your voicemail on a future episode. Uh, as always, I'm Mike the Hobbit. Thank you for joining us, and you just got pitch smacked. Prepare to die. GUIPodcast.com We got to talk about our sponsors. Tis the season of giving. I know you're already going out there on Amazon.com getting presents for your friends and family. And uh, I know you're going to be going back for more. 
The next time you go to Amazon.com, just make sure you do it through the link at GUIPodcast.com. Go to the homepage, and in the top right-hand corner, you're going to see a thing saying Shop Amazon. Click on that link. Anything you purchase through that link, we get a portion of whatever you spend. So you're spending the same amount of money you planned on for Aunt Flo and Uncle Steve, but you're also giving a little bit money back to the poor bastards at the GUI Network. Another way to support the GUI Network is through Public. That's right, we've got all sorts of merch available from the GUI Network shows. If you just go to GUIPodcast.com backslash store, we have a link to our Public store that has shirts for every podcast on the network, as well as inside joke t-shirts and exclusive designs done by panelists and friends of the show. We also have a couple of t-shirts that were curated designs from the Public site that we think you guys would like as well. All of these are going to be on sale intermittently throughout the month of December. So definitely keep an eye out on those shirts and merch and cell phone covers, coffee cups, stickers, all bags, everything available through the Tee Public store. They're going to be going on sale left and right all December. So make sure you pick up those. I think December 18th is the cutoff to make sure that you get them before Christmas. Show your support for GUI. Give us a little bit of money for our Christmas shopping. And get some really cool swag that your friends in Idaho will have no clue what you're referencing. Like, what is a podcast from Richmond, Virginia? Why, why should I be excited about that? Geeks under the influence. It's just drunk geeks. Yeah, pretty much. Impress your friends. It's a good time. Shop Tee Public. GUIPodcast.com slash store. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.